Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Pisgah Podcast. We've been a bit absent, but we're back. That's right. Coming to you live from the Lost and Found. We're your hosts. I'm Drew. That's Mangler. And you are listening to Pisgah after a short break. Right, so Drew, since we last got on the mics, we had done a Mexican vacation where I got food poisoning afterwards, and then we kind of dove into the downhill season. Yeah, between Mexico, downhill southeast, at, what was that, the Charles Training Center, Tennessee National, more downhill southeast, at Windrock, uh, Rock Creek, we've been pretty busy media-wise. Yeah, and then add to the fact that it's been real nice weather outside, and we've been riding bikes quite a bit between our day jobs. So yeah, time adds up, and then next thing you know, it's dark outside, and all the restaurants and barbar are closed. So true. Time flies when you're riding bikes. Let's get into the news and updates. What have we got coming up in the upcoming times? Well, let's see. We got our next downhill southeast race that's not in the southeast. Right. We are going to Mountain Creek in New Jersey for a combo of the spring-summer national, the downhill southeast round four and we're going to be looking forward to some dominion laps and good times yes and if you're interested in knowing more details about this particular race we just put up a pre-race podcast with trill will and nico over on the downhill southeast youtube channel and you can also see lots of other content there as well right on well bringing it back to more on the local level sram is sponsoring the thursday night race series at canuga which is always a really good time. Yeah, and if jamming and sessioning is more your thing, Cola Bike Park has their $5 after 5 on Thursdays. So you can either go race at Canuga or ride in sessions and jumps and other trails at Cola. That's right. I went, what, two weeks ago. And the jumps are in the best shape I've ever seen them out over at Colo from the beginner lines straight through the advanced ones. Nice. And this past weekend, we had the Green River Games held down the hill over in uh, the Green River Gorge. The men's enduro, uh, Walker Shaw took first place, followed by Weston Cooker and Kyle Grau. The women's enduro was won by Sarah Poling, followed by Rosanane Couture and Jessica Thompson. Awesome. Well, uh, speaking of some more racing... The Pisgah Productions King and Queen of Pisgah series are officially underway. We got two races under the belt so far. And to get more info on the Pisgah Productions events, you can check out our previous episode 166 with Eric Weber. But uh, one thing that I wanted to do with this year of the King of Pisgah is talk to a prior King of Pisgah winner and a longtime friend hunk of western north carolina and that is nick bragg so we've got him here on the show for this episode to talk about his quest of going after the king of pisgah for a second time right on i can't wait to hear it nick i've been trying to figure out a way to do a podcast with you for a long time now <laughs> Uh, I guess I'm honored. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've known you for a while. You're one of my favorite people in Western North Carolina. Holy shit. Thanks, and dude. <laughs> I always have such a good time. Just like riding bikes with you, of course, is going to be awesome. Yeah. But just like hanging out is always a good time. And I'm, al- yeah. I'm always psyched to run into you and stuff. But uh, when when I put some pressure on you and made you commit or not to commit to doing the King of Pisgah again for this year... I was like, that's my end. That's how I <laughs> get Nick on the podcast. No lie. Your, your, I guess, not pressure, but your like offer to do this. I was like, well, shit. All right. I guess I won't do the rally. I'll do the KOP and I'll have a chance to hang out and talk with Mangler. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. <laughs> Sweet. It's a beneficiary for both of us. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, I, know, I know it was a, a tough decision to make. So with that said, you are a damn good bike racer. Um, and sometimes maybe yeah. sometimes maybe uh you do have a king of pisgah belt buckle so not a lot of people have those yeah that yeah that's a really cool one honestly yeah. <laughs> like i'm pretty stoked on that one no yeah. lie and you're a badass race car driver <laughs> uh i tr- uh not maybe not badass um but i really love doing it okay cool yeah 
a lot of our listeners might not know of Nick Bragg or have might not have seen his name on the top placings of many of the the races in our region. So let's uh, let's step it back a little bit. Uh, you grew up in southwestern Virginia. Uh, grew up in Vermont, then moved to Virginia in high school, and then went to college at WCU, and then took an internship here in Nashville and it turned into a job and stoked to stay. Nice. Yeah. When did bike riding get important in your life? Uh, growing up in Vermont. Um, what part I, of Vermont? Williston, so right outside of Burlington. Okay. There was this place called Catamount Outdoor Family Center, mm-hmm. and uh, they were about a half mile down the road from me. And I remember riding my bike to the trailhead, and that time was like a quarter mile hill, and it looked like a death climb, you know? Yeah. But anyway, so I'd ride up there and uh, get lost and try to find my way home. And um, then I started doing like the mountain bike camps they had. Uh, Then I became a counselor there and then uh, moved to Virginia in high school and like stopped. Actually, it's funny. I moved there and people like, dude, you you like mountain bikes? You got to try the Virginia Creeper Trail. And I was like, (laughs) okay, yeah, I'll try this thing out. And I go out there and I kept waiting for it to turn into trail. (laughs) It turns out it's just a freaking road bed uh, or or old railroad track bed. Um, And then so I didn't really mountain bike for all of high school. Not very much, at least. And then in college, I got really back. I got back into it. Our mutual friend Evan, mm-hmm. you know, we started riding a bunch and started racing again. So yeah. Did you race when you were in Vermont? Uh, yeah, actually, I was like, I was the chubby kid finishing last on all the, like the XC Wednesday night races. Uh, so yeah. Wait, did you say you were the chubby kid? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess people can't see, but like, uh, I'm, I guess, pretty thin. And yeah. back then, I was. Uh, I was not the thin kid. <laughs> you're, you're a little thick boy. I was a little thick boy. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine that. Dude, I'll show you pictures after this. Yeah. Oh, okay. I have a picture of me like wearing Lycra and uh, filling it out. <laughs> it's you, honestly awesome. You yeah. don't even fill out Lycra now. I know. I, I try. I got to get, my roommate says I got to get swole, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So uh, what'd you major in at Western Carolina? Uh, engineering. That's cool. And you were also roommates with Brandon Blakely. Brandon Blakely, yeah. Love that dude. And I was roommates with Evan Voss, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was like after college, we had like kind of a continuation of college, you know, having Sam Anderson live next door, Alex Dawson, like uh, all those homies, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And And that was what was that called? O Block. The O Block. (laughs) The O Block, yeah. Bike art or bike magazine did a little article on us, and that was so freaking cool. It was really rad. Yeah. The O Block. That was like, that was like, the closest I've ever been to being in a frat, <laughs> like in the most wholesome way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we just had like so much fun all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And then after that moved out of there and that was like kind of Evan moved away. And, but then I got another place and still kind of continued on like having like your best friends, like in the bike scene and stuff live with you. And still to this day, it's, it's so much fun. Nice. I mean, that's what living the bike life is, is trying to figure out how to have the most fun as possible. I'm I'm always asking myself like all right did I just miss the mark on being an adult and I'm like stuck in as being like a somewhat college kid adult or like a like, 22 year old. <laughs> yeah. I mean like I feel like uh, I kind of stopped maturing at 23. I'm still learning, you yeah. know, but still just as immature. But you no, know, I mean I think maybe there's like a overemphasis of like trying to seem like you're an adult and acting grown up and stuff and I don't know, maybe I'm being too kid like in that manner, but um it's kind of funny, like telling my coworkers, "Oh yeah, um, my my roommate here." I'm like, "What? You you have roommates? But you what? Like, oh, I mean, my friends. I live with my friends. That's what I say now." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. move. The King of Pisgah series started way back, and is that something that you, that you kind of strive to do, or is just something that you were just doing the races and it just happened to be one of the series? Have you ever done something and you finished the race? And you thought, I'm never, ever going to do that again. And then, or maybe an event of some sort. So I don't do races. Okay. Or... Well, I know. <laughs> Come on, play along, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, cool. Right on. Well, I'll continue. Uh, so anyway, I mean, I did, I did like, uh, I think it was, I did ORAM um, in my first long, no, it was Iron Mountain 100K Ooh. back in like 2013, I think. I could, and I was like, man, that was absolutely terrible. It was long i cramped a million times i never want to do it again and then i started looking at doing more races like endurance mountain bike stuff right and um i remember i saw the 111k race 
uh, the Pisgo 111K on, I can't remember where I saw it, but I saw it, the flyer and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. Like, man, that's so long. Why would you ever want to do something that's so dumb? Like, I, I seriously remember having those thoughts. I remember looking at the flyer and like talking to a couple people and like, ah, there's no way I could do that. And then what do you do? You sign up. And like, I don't know why, just you're really dumb and you sign up. And then I did that. And then I think the next year I was like, man, I should, I should do something really dumb and actually do the whole series. And so I did. And so, yeah, it went from like seeing that these races were around idolizing the guys that were doing them still to this day of mad respect for guys like Dave Wood, Sam Evans, you know, Sam Kerber, those guys. But yeah, it transitioned into seeing them and then actually started doing them, doing the series. And then by that point, you're just so hooked, you know, like it's, you kind of can't stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for those who who might not be super familiar with it or just don't know, uh, King of Pisgah is a racing series that is centered around Western North Carolina, mostly the Pisgah Range uh, of the Grandfather and Ranger District. But the second race of the series, no, the first race of the series was more gravel Yeah, yeah. So I'll just bre- more brief description on the series. So there's five races. If you miss one, you're out. So that was like one of the main reasons why it's hard to make all of them. Mm-hmm. And so they're multidisciplinary. So you'll have gravel, um, you'll have endurance. And then this year there is the enduro, the Pisgah enduro in it. Oh. Um, and so it's really cool. Like you have to be like up on your chops on all of them. Totally. And I also mean like Pimbar, which is Pisgah mountain bike adventure race. It's a checkpoint based race. You got to, we'll talk about that. But like, if, I mean, if you make a mistake in that on your route, like you you could, you can screw yourself. Like not we'll, only do we'll you get into, yourself. we'll get into that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So it's, it's five races, you know, gravel, um, uh, mountain bike, enduro, all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And prior, it wasn't as much like that. It was, uh, it was just kind of just more XC-ish style racing, right? Uh, for the KOP series, it's kind of always been like endurance mountain bike kind of stuff. Yeah. And what's the other really long? Uh, so the other used to be Double Dare. Yeah, um, Double Dare. And they haven't done that. Uh, I don't know. They did it. They didn't do it last year. But in previous years, they did it. And that was like two days of like checkpoint-based racing, but it's absolutely terrible. Like it's, I mean, I I say I hate the race organizer, but I love him. And you would would, sign up for it again if it popped up? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would say I wouldn't, but then I probably would. Um, So like Double Dare, let's see, it starts Saturday at midday and you have 12 hours to finish that day's racing. So by midnight, you get to be in by midnight, but at midnight there's a midnight short track race or whatever kind of terribleness that Eric Weber dreams up in previous years. I've been in my bed from like, you know, nine thirty, ten 10 PM trying to catch a nap before the midnight short track or it starts raining or something. And like you have to, it's, it's all kinds of dumb stuff. And then, but then you have to be up at 6am on Sunday. Yeah. And like times he's like, sent you walking up Farlow, like, all right, guys, your passports like to go figure out where you're going at the top of Farlow. And it's like daybreak. And you're pushing your bike in the rain up Farlow. I mean, it's just like, it's it's stuff that is not fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, before you dove into doing these races, were you familiar with Pisgah trails? Yeah, I hadn't ridden all of them, uh, but I was not familiar with them. I definitely rode so many of them for the first time on some of the races. But yeah, being in college at WCU, uh, my buddy Evan and I, we'd drive up here and or our mutual friend, Evan, we'd go and drive up here and get lost in the woods, camp out, just be kids, you know. So you were somewhat familiar with, you know, when you'd see a race and you'd see the route that you kind of knew what you were getting into? Yeah, when I look at a route, like, my brain doesn't really work that way. It's like, okay, I remember, I think I know where this trail is. Yeah, I remember, I remember parts of that trail, I remember parts of that trail, but it definitely doesn't flow together like most people who can read maps coherently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... uh and then you also poke around with doing some other race series in the area. Like I know you're a frequent visitor to up to the Shenandoah area. Oh, I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, last year I did my first time competing in the NUE series, which is a hundred mile mountain bike race series. Um, so this national series and I did that last year. That was 
mostly really fun, but partly terrible. Um, had a couple really bad races and a couple really good races. And then, uh, I like doing the Blue Ridge Adventures, like the Pisgah Stage Race and Swank. And I mean, I just really like racing my bike. Yeah. Like, I don't like racing on the road, but I, if it's like mountain bike, gravel, stuff like that, then I'm all about it. When it comes to training, I know that you clock in a good amount of skinny tire rods. Uh, fair don't call me a roadie on this podcast i'm not <laughs> i i didn't say that at all uh yeah i mean uh especially in the summer i'll do more just because it's like really damp in the woods but i mean i would say i do probably 15 percent of my riding on the road maybe 20 percent. but man honestly dude like lately i've just gotten scared on the road i'm not sure if it's like the me reading about people getting hit or if it's me getting somewhat older and maybe wiser, probably not, but I've just gotten more worried about it. So I find myself like riding on the road a little bit less, or at least if I am riding road, I'm just petrified the whole time. I'm always like checking behind me and stuff. Does your road helmet have one of those little mirrors off to the side? (laughs) No, but I seriously like want to get that, even though how dorky it is. I seriously want to get that. Sometimes I just like start blasting music. I'm like, man, if I'm going to get hit, if I'm going to die, like let me die and not know it's coming. Yeah, just... (laughs) Just let me go out to the sounds of, of the Jane, Do- Jane Doe breakdown. So. Hell yeah. <laughs> Some heavy music. Yeah. For someone like yourself, you have a full-time job. You're not a full-time bike racer. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you would t- like to be as a full-time bike racer? Or do you still like to keep that in the fun side of your life? I don't want to ride my bike full-time. I think I would lose the fun of it. Like, you know, riding my bike for more than 15 or 20 hours a week I start to dread a ride or like I start to wish I was at home working in my car or something. I mean, sure. We all don't want to work for a living. I mean, I mean, riding a bike is working, right? But like, no, I, I mean, I'm totally content with the balance I have in my life of biking, training, working, et cetera. Like, yeah, I guess that feels good to say. I'm, I'm content with it. Nice. I guess let me reframe that. If I had the genetics, you know, to be really freaking good, to take me to the next level, then maybe my answer would be different. But with the cards I've been dealt, I'm totally content what I'm doing. Okay, good. Well, as long as you're happy. Uh, what does what does training look like for you? Do, and is that something that you're really serious about? I wouldn't say really serious. I've I've been really serious before, where like um, I'll f- follow a devout training plan, and I think that was really good. Like it taught me what to do, but. Now I've, I mean, I guess I kind of realized that you don't, there's no magic interval. You don't have to be super precise about it if you're not like treating it as your job, you know? So, I mean, a normal week for me would be like 12 to 18 hours on the bike, maybe 10. I don't know. Depends on how much I'm slacking. Uh, but then like, I just really enjoy getting a workout on the bike. I really enjoy like coming home feeling like, man, sweet. I'll be able to sleep well. I got a good workout in. Uh, so I, I kind of enjoy the workout thing, which most people are like, man, that, that part sucks, you know, but to each their own. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so how serious my training? I mean, I would say I'm like middle of the road. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to like, n- not anymore. Am I going to tell someone I can't ride with you? I need to go to my intervals. I've definitely been that guy in years <sighs> past, you know, or like surprise my friends. Hey, actually we're doing two by 12s today. Hop on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a, I definitely used to be that guy, but not so much anymore. It's like now, I guess I'm realizing there's more of a balance. Hey, you don't have to do this today. It's going to be fine if you don't do your intervals or like if you don't want to pedal hard all week, it doesn't matter. Or like for me, sometimes after like these longer races, I'm just like, yeah, I'm sick of the bike. I don't want to ride for three days. So I'm not going to because that's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's important to find that balance. Are you doing much like gym work or anything like that? Like any cross training? Just biceps, dude biceps all day biceps girls for the girls no um no. <laughs> squats with like squats watts um now uh in the winter i really like doing squats because it feels good actually i've been doing them a little bit in the summer too or the in the warm season too i just feel like it helps me like my lower body feel better i mean yeah i do a little bit of gym stuff but um i used to really like going to those like uh, high intensity interval classes but then i stopped like paying for them so <laughs> learn learn their process of what they're doing to you and then just go home and do that oh yeah i wrote it down on my phone like i wrote down like all the special names they had for all the stuff like russian twists and stuff and then so i was like 
shit, what is Russian? I remember like looking them up on the internet and like trying to figure out. But yeah, my roommate has dumbbells and so, or not dumbbells, uh, kettlebells. And so do some movements like that. Yeah. Nice. What about diet? Um, a lot of dark chocolate. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm vegetarian slash, yeah, I mean, shitty vegan. Like I don't really like dairy or cheese and stuff. Um, uh, I, I like to think I eat clean because I'm, I'm picky. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, um, treat like you know pay attention to what you put in your body and but also don't take it too seriously yeah you know i mean if you want to eat a big thing of fries do it like (laughs) whatever enjoy it uh do you have any like anything you do to get yourself ready for a race like day before do you have like a meal plan or anything that you try to stick to leading up to races i just thought of uh you know in the office where michael scott does the carbo load thing and he's like eating the all you know alfredo, pa- all alfredo pasta <laughs> that's me to the t uh oh. no i guess before the week and before i'm andy with uh with the, my nipples the bleeding oh yeah. <laughs> um uh day before a race i like to not eat anything like crazy new uh actually kind of often get really nervous if I care a lot about the race. And so sometimes that's really fun. I mean, no, nothing, nothing crazy. The ordinary, just like sticking to what I know my body likes as far as food and routine and stuff. Nice. So do you try to stick to a routine like leading up to races? I guess because I have to think about that probably means no. I mean, I'm a a very like routine oriented person. Like I wish I wasn't so many times because like, hey, we're going to go out tonight. Actually, I don't really get asked to go out very much anymore. (laughs) I'll be honest, but like it used to be be people like, hey, we're going to go out tonight. And I'm just like, oh, man, that means I'll be out past 10 o'clock, which I always like being in bed at 10 o'clock. And that means that's out of the ordinary. I can't do that. You know, so but I mean, I'm a very routine oriented person and I love it. Like I really like sticking to like my numbers of like what I do during the day. Um, So race week, it's uh, I mean, I'm not too picky in the week about what I do, but the, the day before the race. Yeah, I love sticking to my little plan. Nice. Good to hear. Let's talk about rally car racing a little bit. Oh, you don't want to ask me that because I'll just start talking and talking and talking. Like, I mean, I love, you know, I love riding bikes. I love racing bikes, but like rally cars and rally or sorry, rally cars and cars are like my true passion. Sometimes on road rides, I'll get especially bored and I'll just like start talking to people, see if there's anyone that likes cars. Because <laughs> if there's someone that likes cars, then I'll be entertained. Um, so yeah, rally car stuff. Um, First off, what's your garage setup? What's in your fleet? This is another loaded question. Um, okay, so drove here to ride with you in a 2000 Honda Insight. It's got 338,000 miles on it. Um, it's a little like original hybrid, you know, mm-hmm. uh, three cylinder, one liter. The thing's so freaking cool. I love that thing. Um, and so I have that. It's my daily driver. I have a 1998 BMW M3. Did an engine swap in that. I love that thing. It's so much fun to drive. And, uh, I have the rally car, which is a 1990 Audi Coupe Quattro. It's um, it's a, got a turbo engine in it and all kinds of stuff and caged. You know, it's rally car. And then uh, I have this project that's like all time consuming. It's all I want to do. It's a 1989 BMW M3, and it's like a complete restoration. Like I'm doing all kinds of like r- repair on panels and cutting out sections of the chassis and stuff. So that's like where my mind is all the time, and that's what I really concentrate on. But yeah, that's the garage fleet right now. Nice. I love your M3. I love it so much. I went on 151 a couple of days ago and, you know, that road off the parkway. So good. I love 151. Oh, it's so good. We need to go cut laps in our cars on that one and do car swaps. In Tesla's? Yeah. In the Tesla? Okay, so you'll wax me anytime you put the foot down. Yeah. But I got you in the corners, I think. Okay. Let's do this. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Can you drive? I mean, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see when you eat it off the mountain. Okay. <laughs> so that's what scares me about like ripping that road. Yeah. You got to know the corners. Yeah. Or just drive like, drive like, not like you're going to eat it off the cliff. What got you into rally car racing? Besides the fact that it's cool as shit. That's what it was. It's cool as shit. I remember being a kid and like seeing it on TV. I think I saw it on Speed Channel. Uh, Rest in peace. They used to have it on, on there. And um, then funny story getting my hair cut actually i used to get bowl cuts but like my my uh my hair haircutter she me spruced up and didn't get me so much of a bowl cut anyway she had a rally a subaru 1999 wrc car on her on her desk and i was like that's a rally car and she's like you know what that is so long story short she is married to the 
owner of Vermont Sports Car who builds all the Subaru rally cars at the time. They still oh, build them, but he since sold it, sold the business, but they still build them. So that was like my end there. I started going to rallies, started hanging out at the shop. Main Forest Rally used to be a big one. And so I started like volunteering at rallies. I started volunteering for teams, like working on the cars. And then I, st- I did a, a co-drove tw- twice, once. One time it went really bad. <laughs> Crashed real good. <laughs> Your fault? <laughs> no, I okay. told the driver drive what you see, and when because when you're lost in the notes, like because the co-driver is sitting in the silly seat and he's reading the notes for what's coming up in the road, like it's like a severity of like one to six. Think of like the gear, like six gear means really freaking fast. Yeah. First gear means like turning around, um, and then there's like left or right. There's all kinds of other notes, right? And so we are in a succession of like these threes and fours, and I was lost, and I said I said I'm lost. Drive what you see, and he didn't lift. Like he kept freaking going he was young young kid and we came over a crest and there was like a right two of a bridge which like so it's like a tight tight corner of a bridge big logs on both sides and i was like we are not slowing down he pitched the car sideways we hit the thing like we went up on two wheels we like bounced around and like the car like did the car got towed like flat towed but three wheels were splayed out like <laughs> show you the picture after it's on my instagram deep deep down but that was, that was my foray into co-driving and we actually i did it didn't well the time went really well but then i got a car in 2015 um and yes started driving it's like the dream literal dream come true yeah. Who's your co-driver? Um, Dominic DePauli. He's a. We started working at the same time, the same company, and um, then my buddy, my other buddy Matt, will stand in sometimes uh, when Dominic's driving his own car. Nice. Yeah. And you do a lot of wrenching on your car yourself, and I've seen you do some impressive stuff. Or, or I don't do impressive stuff, and I run out of gas on the last rally I did <laughs> because I didn't calibrate the level, the fuel gauge sender correctly. That's a real. <laughs> bummer <laughs> when because there's no one to blame but yourself i mean it's cool when you wrench on your own stuff like i love doing it most of the time but sometimes you just really want to kick the wrenching manager which is myself yeah yeah that sucks <laughs> it sucked dude, so much last stage like like three miles from the finish on the on the this was like three weekends ago in kentucky first rally of the year and um three miles from the finish like i remember starting the last stage being like yes like we're gonna finish this thing we're in third overall yeah third overall first in our class like we're gonna do this thing and typically i don't like to like pay attention to like results for rally like it's just a passion sport but my buddy texted me i was like hey you guys are in third and i was like shit okay i know about it um i kind of kind of guess but like anyways yeah car sputters out three miles from the finish and you just feel so dumb but anyway that's rally for you that's rally for yeah but yeah I, i love wrenching on my own stuff um do you wrench on your own bike yeah, yeah, I do. Used to be like, <laughs> used to be like I was not good at wrenching on my own bike. Um, I remember like my roommate Eric and like my other people like your friends. Yeah, my, my <laughs> sorry, my friends I live with, with like Evan Voss and stuff like that. But they'd be like, "Dude, why'd you why'd you do that like that?" You know, or like take a car mentality where like you're like, "Oh, I hammer out this bearing," <laughs> and then you chew up the then you chew up the race or the. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I won't go into how many times I've done stupid stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, now I feel pretty proficient. With nice. working on bikes and cars. Who are your sponsors for mountain bike right now? Uh, Walmart. No. Oh, you getting that Walmart Team money. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> no, uh, Industry 9, Sycamore Cycles. And I got some people that help me out, like uh, ESI Grips, um, Expedo Pedals, uh, Starlight. Starlight's come on this year. They've been really awesome. So the Black Bibs, Starlight, same kind of company. I just got some of my custom, like a uh, Lycra, you know, like the nerdy wear. Um, I just got some kits made. And I, I, got, I made the sleeves look like a rally car. Like there's like the test livery or test design that rally cars use. Like a, it's like a digital camo, mm-hmm. right? So I got that like on the sleeves and that was my homage to rally cars. And at least I feel cooler for <laughs> having car stuff on me. Um, yeah. So yeah. And, and uh, Jambar just got on with them. They're, uh, they're out of California and they make some like, legit ingredient energy bars and they actually don't taste bad like they taste actually really good and you look at the ingredients and you're like oh okay anyway so yeah i'm like legit fortunate to have people that help me out especially because like given the way i treat social media it's not like uh an advertisement i don't know so i think it's kind of cool when companies can be like hey we just want to support you for who you are and not like see the rate of return as how many posts you make a week and stuff. Yeah, that's that's fresh to hear. I don't know. Just I mean, social media. We know it's bad for us, you know, mm-hmm. um, in a way. 
or at least not like good for us. We know it's a drug, but also it's really cool. I mean, I've met people from around the world because of this, you know, I mean, there's, like, there's the bad sides and there's the good sides. Yeah. It's a good and bad drug. So yeah, I take social media kind of lightheartedly and it's cool when companies can be like, yeah, we're on board with that. You know, I'm psyched that I met you in real life and not through social media. I wasn't going to ask this on the podcast, but screw it. When, when, like, what was the first time we met? It would have been when you guys were living in that farmhouse up in the cut. At, at WCU? At WCU. You might not even remember really meeting me because like, <laughs> I got there like a latish at night or I met you in the morning. Probably, yeah. I was sleeping on the couch. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Evan was always dropping your name, Mangler, Mangler, Mangler. <laughs> Don't spit that out. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, so that's when we first met. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited that we kind of met before like the rise of social media and did some cool trips and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, you remember when we were hanging out in my van way deep on that road on the side of the river and we saw that huge beaver? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember the beaver part. No. The beaver but, was in the wa- in the river that night, like right when we got there and we were scared of it. I remember, I think that was my first time seeing glacial, glacier water. Oh yeah, that was that was. I was like, man, this water looks dirty as shit. But it was actually just the cleanest, most pure glacial runoff. Yeah, yeah. That trip was cool because you didn't even know I was there. Oh, I forgot about that. You're so right. Yeah. Me and Evan came and picked you up at the Vancouver <laughs> yeah. airport in my van, and you didn't know I was there. <laughs> oh damn, Mangwish here. And then <laughs> we just kidding. we went straight to Squamish. That was that was a legendary trip. Yep. That was good. That was like the perfect mix of like roughing it. But also, not really roughing it. We I mean, rode in. We rode in two countries in one day. I do remember that. That, that was, was sick. That was real sick. Yeah. And then we watched the fireworks from Evan's roof. That oh god, that was such a good day. Yes. Yeah. That place he had in, in uh, Bellingham was really cool. Oh yeah. Well, sweet. Enough Evan talk. What was your mindset coming into the race season for this year? Do you look at a yearly calendar like I want to do this race, this race, this series, and just kind of kind of route yourself for there or do you kind of play it as it comes i like to plan uh so this year i was like okay i'm gonna do the kop series and i'm gonna see what other stuff pops up and i'll do them um but i was the thing about the kop series it's like it's really heavy in the spring and it's really heavy in the fall um with the exception of the the enduro in august so we did like two races uh one in april one in may and then we'll do like i guess you know two or three in the, in the fall. So yeah, I, pl- I kind of plan it out doing the KOP stuff. Um, and then whatever else I can sprinkle in. What other races are you looking forward to over the summer months? Man, the summer sucks. I always cramp up so hard in the summer, mm-hmm. like on races like O-Ram. It's just a cramp fest. Um, are you doing O-Ram this year? I don't know. We'll see. Okay. I mean, the race I was looking forward to, one of the races I was looking forward to most is was the Piscus Age race, which I did. And that was awesome. I always like doing that one, the 111K in the fall. And Bisga is just, oh, it's it's dreamy. I mean, okay, the course is really hard and long, but the temps are perfect. You know, the dirt's really good. The leaves aren't, like, covering every inch of the trail yet. So that's always just awesome. Other races I'll probably do, like you mentioned, Shenandoah 100, whatever gravel stuff pops up or fun races my friends put on. Or How was uh, Pisgah Stage Race for you this year? Honestly, man, it could not have gone any better. <laughs> um, it was sweet. Like placing is always relative. Like I hate, I kind of, I don't hate, but like it's people are like, Hey, like what's your best result? I'm like, well, that's a weird question because it depends on like who took a wrong turn and who flatted and who wasn't there and whatever. But, um, yeah, this year I had my, I guess to <laughs> go back on what I said, I mean, I had my best result ever there, which was third place overall. Gus Michaels and I had a really good battle and that was actually really fun. Conditions were freaking perfect. Yeah, it was, it was sick. Like that's like, I mean, People are like, oh, you know, you can race anytime you want in Pisgah. You can go race the trails yourself. I'm like, no, you really can't. Like, there's just something to having people from all around the world and, like, actually being in the race mindset in the forest. It's, it's I love it. I'm so fortunate we get to do it. It's a switch you have to flip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Total switch. And the race format, I mean, the the race time each day is, like, two and a half to three and a half hours. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty short, like, as far as endurance racing goes. So you just burn every single match you have every single day at least that's how i treat it not sustainable the one thing i've always for some reason whenever i think pisgah stage race 
there, there's like there's two sides to that coin. There's people and friends I may know, n- not referring to you, but other ones where they're out there for like six hours on a, on the course, and then they're just like waxed trying to recover. The other side is you, where midday I'm on a shoot or something, and I open up Strava just to check in. And, like, you've been done for two hours, and you're already at work. (laughs) So, yeah, I got to tell you, the people that are out there all day, I have, like, no lies, so much respect for them. Oh, absolutely. Because they have it so much harder than I have it. And I'm not trying to sound like a prick or, like, you know, entitled when I say that. But, like, seriously, hats off to them. Like, at the Shenandoah 100 or any any 100-mile race, when they're coming in at night with lights on and they've been out there for, like, 12 hours— or 15 hours, um, man, those people are awesome. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, tons of respect for them because it might be their first time doing a big race like that or something. Which is so scary. Yeah. Like, and that, I mean, that takes, yeah. Like, seriously, props to him. Like, Clint Spiegel, um, I9 founder, he texted me uh, on Saturday after Pinbar, or maybe it was Sunday, whatever. He was like, good job, man. It was awesome. We were out, we were out there for 11 and a half hours. Yeah, him and Alexis did it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I was like, you got it done, man. Props, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, What was your your pin bar time? Uh, Six hour 45. That's pretty impressive. Six hours and 45. You don't know the course, though. (laughs) I don't know, but I've I've seen the different mileages. Okay, Uh, so let's jump in. Uh, King of Pisgah. We are two races in deep right now. Yep. Pinbar just happened this past weekend, but let's let's jump back to the first one. Okay. Bootlegger 100. Um, gravel race, 105 miles or so. Um, Ooh, and it's that's a, Wilson Creek area, right? Yeah, Wilson Creek area. Yep. We were actually passing some mountain bikers, and I was like, damn. That looks so I much more fun ride. than this right now. <laughs> I was like, I want to go ride some of those trails right now because they're so good. Yeah, so 100-something mile gravel race. Man, oh. Ter- like bad weather like not on the race course but the whole day prior just so much rain driving to the race just rain and i mean the gravels the gravels were wet mm-hmm. gravels were un- were not fun so yeah um hundred something miles uh race starts it's not raining anymore which is sweet we kind of separate after the first climb uh it's about s- 10 of us or so six ten of us brent bookwalter uh ex-pro roadie super sweet guy he was uh in the mix and uh doing some real pro stuff you know like pulling the whole group along the whole time and stuff um and uh that's kind of like a knife and a gunfight or like or i guess like you know vice versa but like yeah. you know real strong dude right and so it's just like okay yeah pretty sure you'll walk away with this but let's just see how long we can hang on so the race race goes really well i mean as far as like having did the pisca stage race the week before which is always she just it's an unknown quantity like you don't know how you're gonna react to your legs uh the week after but yeah i finished it wasn't the exact result i was hoping for but it was fine you know not a bad one but not a not the best one but um it's all good and then so i mean i mean i can go into detail on it but it's it's a gravel race you know we tried hard <laughs> we went downhill as fast as we could yeah uh we didn't wreck and you know it feels like r- racing those roads would be mega sketchy so dude the gravel downhills, like no lie, it was so fun sending that because I actually put gravel tires on, which I don't always do. But the the gravel was uh, it wasn't like muddy, but it wasn't uh, wasn't dry, so you could actually like lay into the corners and like Ooh. your tire would sit in and almost make its own groove. It was really cool. So every descent, Brent and I were just we were like whipping, like we were. It was awesome descending that with someone like Brent. Unfortunately, I didn't have the legs to, like, make an attack to, like, stay away from everyone. But it was still cool. Yeah, descending those roads were sick. What was uh, what was your elevation gain out there? Oh, man, it was, like, was it 11 or was, was it 11K, was maybe 12K, something like that? Yeah. Between 10 and 12K. You're just always either climbing or descending. And yeah. those those gravel roads up there are just, like, they're nothing to mess around with. Like, I hate pedaling <laughs> those roads. <laughs> Of course, I'm usually pedaling them on my mountain bike, and you know that's not ideal. But racing that for okay. So how'd you place? I th- I think I honestly can't remember. I think it was I was either 
I think I was fifth or sixth or seventh, one of those. I okay. really can't remember. I remember I came across a line and I was pouting. <laughs> At least I'm honest. But I remember Eric Weber, the the uh, race promoter, um, super cool guy. He, I guess you had him on here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, he came across the line and uh, I had just like gone off my bike and I was just like, Whew. and he's like, hey, podiums, Nick, get ready. And I was like, man, I'm not on the podium. Why you got to rub it in? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, uh, so I went in my car and pouted. No, yeah. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, so that was that was the first uh, the first one of the series. It's always interesting when you have a KOP race and you have people that aren't doing the series compete that are faster than you because they can put KOP points in between you and someone else who's in the series. So, f- like, for example, Brent Bookwalter, he's doing, I think he's doing the KOP series um, this year, which is really sweet. So he... He, f- he finished first, and I think I was, what, sixth or something like that? Let's just say sixth. And there was, you know, all the people in between us were not doing KOP. So that makes the, the difference, like th- those points I can't really make up, right? Yeah. And so it's just a little bit harder, mm-hmm. um, which adds to the complexity and fun of the KOP. Yeah. How do you think this series looks for some people starting off as a gravel race versus a mountain bike race? You think it kind of shakes things up a little bit? It definitely shakes things up. You have to be willing to be like, okay, I'm going to endure this gravel race to do the series, right? And not only endure, but try to do your best at it. Yeah. Yep. Or like when Double Dare was a part of it, um, it was like, man, I've got to do this terrible two-day race to do the whole series. And I think it's I think it's really cool how it's multidisciplinary. I like that about it. Do you keep up with any other multidisciplinary races? Because there's like the call the lifetime race series that's going on right now. Yeah, I think that's. I, I mean that. I think that's really cool. I don't. I'm not at that level where I could go out there and compete with it. Um, also, I mean, no shade to them, but like I like the stuff that is more technical, mm-hmm. and that's like their mountain bike races are. I mean, again, no shade to them, but you know they're they're a lot more chill. Not chill. They're they're cutthroat, but they're as far as technical goes, they're not like ripper trails and stuff yeah how did you feel continuing on the kop series Mm -hmm. after after that race i mean i was i was a little bit kind of like bummed but i also know it's a really long season and there's so much stuff that can happen right so i i was i guess to answer your question i was like hopeful you know i wasn't i wasn't like like let down or anything all right so bootleg 100 pops off and then you've got roughly what 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 was in between, like about a month? Uh, was it three weeks or so? Yeah. Let's see, a week after Kentucky. Yeah, it was about three weeks, I think. All right, so three weeks go by, mm-hmm. and it's like two days before the embark, and I get a phone call, and it's from Nick Brack. <laughs> and you had basically lost your your riding partner. Yeah, so yeah, a couple of days before uh, Pinbar, the weather was like, Man, it was it was on one. Like it was like we're gonna screw up him bar for everyone. Eighty percent chance of rain. And like a lot, like an inch and a half or something like that. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of rain and like forty at the start, and then getting up to like mid fifties, you know. And it's just like terrible riding weather, right? So my partner, he was like, man, like I guess Thursday, he was like, you know, dude, this weather just looks terrible, like. I'm not going to do it. I was like, you know, f- fair play, like understand. So then I start like shopping around like, crap, who can I like, you know, get to do pin bar with me that, you know, can, is really good at navigation because I'm not good at it. And that can also pedal pretty decently, you know? And so I'm like starting to send out texts and stuff. And then my buddy Keith Moyer was like, well, I might be because my partner, Ethan Burns, like his, his knee might be kind of on the uh, kind of bum knee. And then, so we're, we're, anyway, Long story short, I ended up waiting and just seeing what happened. Like, I had a couple feelers out there, and then miraculously, the weather is perfect. It just it like, like it just like flipped a one eighty. Like, on everybody. dude, total one eighty. Like, went from being cold and rainy to perfectly overcast and low six mid sixties. Like, what? Like, a, like when you envision like, oh, that was like the perfect Pisgah day. <laughs> Yeah, that's how it starts. I, do I, I said that like on, when Adam and I were racing, like on Pimber, I was like, "This is literally perfect." Yeah, could not be any better. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, Pimbar is a 
is a checkpoint navigational race, but you have to have a partner. Yep. Yeah, it's it's real dumb. Um, so and there's no set course. Yeah. You're the third buddy of mine that did the race that was like had to find a partner within like two days out. And it seems like that can be a challenge for some. And especially if you're trying to do a King of Pisgah series, you're going into that kind of as a wild card. Like, will your partner commit or will they bail mm-hmm. or or what? Because it's not solely on you at that point. Right. Yeah, that's it's always extra tricky. So you got a gravel race kicking it off. Then you've got Pinbar that's like Which can screw everything up. Yeah. Like you might be the f- strongest rider in the field, but you might take a wrong turn or you might interpret the rules differently cuz like you get this thing called the passport at Pinbar, which this year they're like, "Okay, go up to the top of Black. Climb all the trail." You can't go on Clawhammer. It's at, it's at the top of Clawhammer, but you got to take all trail, right? So go up there and you get your passport. So you go up there, you get your passport, and then you open that, and that's where you find out your checkpoints. So there's a couple mandatories, and the rest are all for a time bonus, right? And then on that, there's also rules. Like, okay, you can't go on these certain amount of roads, or like this is off limits. Like, you know, Bluish Parkway is off limits. Like all hiking trails, no bushwhacking, et cetera. So that's is where you figure out where you're going to go and stuff. But like I was saying, it can like Pinbar can just destroy your KOP or you can be the strongest guy out there. And because you're picking your own route, because there's so many ways to skin that cat, like as far as getting those checkpoints, you can screw yourself. Oh yeah. And it takes like so many years and it's a, it's a gift for the guys that can do it really well. Like that they, they don't even look at the map. Like my buddy, Adam, he opens it and like, I'm taking Sharpie and I'm writing on his forearm like abbreviations like pilot cove p dot c dot right or like laurel gap lg right and because like or writing on there he's i know like not to talk to him while he's doing this because he's like he's like a computer processing this shit so quick you know like like let the master work yeah and so like he's like all right we know where we're going so we, we drop down south mills and that's when we that's when we actually start brainstorming a little bit on the route like he's asking me questions now like but, how do you feel like if how do you feel about us going up this portion of trail instead of going up the usual route because there's there's two ways to ride pisgah there's the fun route to get to the downhills and then there's the Pisgah, the Pinbar route to get to the checkpoint that's at the top of your fun descent. Yep. Yep. You can either, like, sometimes you'll be like, okay, we can take gravel the long way around, or we can cut trail up the middle of this and it's hike a bike, or or we can go take this slog of a trail, Bradley Creek, and, you know, that's going to be terrible, but it's going to be fit better than riding an extra five, ten miles or, you know, whatever it may be. So, yeah, there's uh, tons of ways to, to ride this stuff. How do you look at, being prepared for for pinbar because it's like one of those things where like you did six hours and 45 minutes or whatever and then clint was out there for you know right at 10 hours like that's you know being prepared to be out there for 10 hours versus thinking you're gonna be there for seven yeah i mean man before you start you pretty much know how long you want to be out there for i mean yeah you got an emergency blanket you gonna use it no <laughs> you're not trying to break out that emergency blanket no you're not trying to use that lighter to start a fire uh-uh. you know like you're like all right i'm prepared like i mean the way i did it was like okay i'm prepared to have seven hours worth of food on me and i can stretch it to like eight you know but i'm mm-hmm. not trying to do that so i mean you're just you're you're setting the standard or the expectation for how long you're gonna be out there that's how i prepare for as far as food, as far as food goes um, the rest is all just like, I don't know, winging it, experience-based. I don't know. Do you ever climb black fully? No, because I hate being that guy when you're descending. You're like, why are you climbing this, man? That's what you do on like a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, we've climbed it before. Um, it's probably one of my favorite climbing trails. Man, that new black reroute or that middle black, climbing that is really awesome. Yeah. Like, no lie. It's mm-hmm. fun to climb. It's not too steep. I mean, it beat climbing the old middle, which was like a hike your bike up the trench uh, uh, yeah, up through the trenches <laughs> and yeah. try not to fall in <laughs> what was the turnout like saturday morning for pinbar um it was a strong year yeah so heavy hitters were out there let's see the legend of pisgah sam kerber and uh oh. thomas turner they were out there were they on a team together yeah yeah dream oh. team freaking oh. dream team jeez man. so you want the rundown on that? Yeah. Okay. So uh, we start off, we're at the top of Clawhammer, right? And we're, like I was saying, Adam and I were figuring, oh, Adam's figuring out where to go. I'll be honest. You're just and writing stuff on his arm. I'm writing stuff on his arm. And uh, 
I think I had borrowed my mouth or something. Um, anyway, figuring it out, and we're like, all right, we're going to drop down South Mills. And I was like, wait, all right, let's just read the passport one more time just to make sure we're not missing any rules because my old friend Barnabas, rest in peace, he was like, you know what, you got to read the passport at least once, like read every single line. I was like, all right, got it. So I made sure I did that because it can like a, a, he's thrown some gotchas on there. Like the last one was like, like the like rule number 10 is like, get a wooden nickel from somewhere or something like, you know, some stuff you don't want to miss anyway. Um, so we decided like, okay, drop down South Mills. That's where we're going right now. And like, I see Sam Kerber and Thomas like drop down there, like right before us. And I was like, okay, wow. They're doing the same thing we are. And we were like kind of the first ones to lead or leave because we were the top guys at the top of uh, Clymer. So they dropped down and I think they put a pretty good effort in to like get away from us because you don't want to show them where you're going. If you have confidence in your route, it's like, you don't want someone just sucking your wheel. I'm like, okay, we're going to follow you and race you till the end. That's not really good. Like pin bar uh, practice. It's yeah. just kind of slimy. Right. So anyway, so they put an effort in and we're like, all right, we're, we're just going to chill. We're going to talk about this route. So, you know, we get down to the bottom of, uh, I guess it was squirrel, uh, where we cross the river. Yeah. Get in the water, cross the river, go across and start climbing up. And we see them because at that point we thought they took a different route and we're like, holy crap, there they are. All right. Game on fast forward five hours later. <laughs> Cause I'll, I'm not sure how many people care about this fast forward five hours later. And, um, we we see them we're like holy crap we're because like we had we got caught behind some horses and we decided not not startle them so we lost some time there but anyway so um we see them like holy crap we're still in this and then long story short last checkpoint we hear that we were the first ones up there and we were like no no sam and thomas are in front of us by five or seven minutes where are they my buddy scott and chris joyce were like no you're the first ones here and we're like oh boy so at that point we're like, okay, we're in first. We don't know why, and so we just empty the tank, go down Avery, cut across, pop out on Buckhorn, um, uh, climb up to Maxwell, drop Black, right, to finish because you have to finish that way. And um, turns out that um, Thomas and Sam had missed reading one part on the passport that is Ooh. road off limits. They thought that 276 was off limits from 1206 to 477. So they went a big detour, whereas we just took that. And I saw on a couple of Stravas that people took that. I'm like, well, because I know that sometimes he'll say certain parts of 276 are open. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to read it really carefully. And Adam read it really carefully. And, you know, we made sure that it was good to go. And uh, I mean, like, that's the. That's the crux of Pinbar. It can screw you on that, man, because they, you know, they were riding strong, like stronger, and you know they had the same the same route as we did, with the exception of that. They just messed up on that they, section of two seventy six. Yeah, I mean, like bless them, you know, but they did, and that's how it got handed to us, you know. I mean, but I've also been in those shoes before. Like, I mean, I've had one. It was a few years ago. My buddy Kevin and I, we did it, and we took a terrible route. And we DNF'd at 11 hours. <laughs> we didn't have a, we didn't have one of the checkpoints like to get the finish. We freaking pulled the plug at 11 hours and we got a DNF. Like, you know, like, like I was telling you, it's all about how you choose your route and you can make mistakes. So, I mean, yeah, they're the dream team, but they got caught out this year. I mean, they still finished second, you know, but they, when they look, they're look at, they're like Thomas's face when he crossed the finish line. He was pissed. Like, or like he was not pissed. He was let down. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. Like, <laughs> Sorry, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Those two are heavy hitters, and they know the forest well. Yeah, man. I mean, f- like, Sam Kerber drinks from the streams. Yeah. You know, like, he doesn't filter. He's just a Pisgah Mountain man. Yeah. OG guy. But it's all about reading that passport. <laughs> passport and knowing the trails, yeah. What, uh, how how far ahead of them were you guys? Man, I, uh, I, th- I think it was 20 minutes, but it could have been less. I'm really, I really okay. can't recall. So like minutes. They, they, it was minutes. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think it was at least 10 minutes. Yeah. Someone can quote me on that though. Someone can fact check us. Fact check. Yeah. 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 So that's the last, um, that's the last race until the Enduro or sort of the KOP race until the Enduro. So yeah, man, Enduro in August, I'm nervous for it. Cause I not really in, Enduro race. I did that. I did the enduro quite a few years ago, but I got to get back out there and trying to start take risks. <laughs> uh, what bike were you riding for Pinbar? Uh, it's a twenty twenty 
two specialized epic evo sorks uh i9s on it fox suspension and are you rocking a you basically have to have like a camelback or a backpack of sorts right uh i just wore my like uh i wore these um uh, starlight like the black bibs and they have pockets on your legs and the pockets on your back kind of like specialized swap bibs okay and so i just stuffed my stuff in there two water balls on the bike and then just my my jersey pockets I don't like riding with a camelback if I can help it. So same. Did you do a water filter or anything? Uh, yeah, carried a water filter, filtered on the bottom of Laurel Creek Trail, and oh man, I don't know if this dude's listening, but there was some guy at the top of Yellow Gap, and he had like grilled cheeses up there, gummy bears, water, cokes. That dude is gonna have the best trail magic ever, or the trail karma, because he was trail magic. That nice. like seeing that was awesome because we needed to top off our water and there was nowhere to filter right up there. So super clutch if that dude's listening, shout out. Heck yeah, <laughs> awesome. The next King of Pisgah race is the Pisgah Enduro. Bingo. And you're not really an Enduro guy? I mean, I like I love going downhill fast, but comparatively, like there's some real fast guys out there, you know? And a lot of those real fast guys... The reason why a lot of people probably know your name is because you're on almost all the top tens of Stravas. I hate Strava. <laughs> Don't. I mean, it is what it is, though. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, dude, you can lay it down on some descents. I'll chain all that energy. Yes, yeah. please do. Okay. Yeah, do you spend much time riding over in the Grandfather District? Not as much as I should. I just am always apprehensive to make that drive when I can go ride in North Mills stuff or, you know, ride from my house. But whenever you get out there on new trail stuff, you're like, oh, yes. This is a breath of fresh air, and I'm, like, mm-hmm. mentally refreshed by doing this. Yeah. So I'm making the point this year, get me out there. Let's go ride Heartbreak. Okay. Let's go do that stuff. Do some laps on it. I would love to. That'd be real fun. Yeah. Have you scheduled a consultation session <laughs> with our friend Evan Voss since he is the past winner of the Pizgandura? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to fly him out here. Okay. He's going to show me that show me that real fast line down Daytona. Yeah. I remember this one trail, uh, or this one like, corner in uh, Heartbreak where he was like, I call this one Daytona. <laughs> I know that. I think it's a, it's a really sick left turn. I think It I'm is a left turn. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> That's what's up. Awesome, dude. Well, uh, you've got a lot of fun riding, riding to do between now and the Pizgandura, which I don't even know when it is. August something. That's all I know. It's the same weekend as the last downhill southeast all right so the pisgah enduro is august 19th uh drew and i will be at massanutten for the finale of the downhill southeast race series that cool. weekend. so we will be missing our chance to cheer you on we will touch base with you after that yeah and we look forward to hearing your voice back on the podcast but yeah let's go ride some some western grandfather district stuff and uh go do some daytona laps <laughs> Let's do it. Awesome. Uh, Nick, thanks for your time. Always like to hang out with you. Appreciate you coming down here, going for a little pedal with me, and uh, talking into a microphone for a little bit. Now, uh, what's up with that uh, burrito thing you brought for us to share? Uh, It's a Trader Joe's uh, vegetarian samosas burrito. It's been roasting on my dash while we went and rode. It's real dank. Let's do that. Yeah, Nick is one of our favorites to see on the podiums around here, and it's cool because he's not just into racing bikes, he's into motorsports and racing rally car as well, and uh, he, he's just a racer at heart. But like a fun racer, and that's what, I think that's why we all love Nick so much, just a fun dude, fun racer, and someone, if you're going to be going to the line with, you're going to have a good time with him. For sure, it's not like he's the kind of dude that's got a rivalry with another racer in the scene, but you can't count him out and anything he lines up for. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited to see uh, his progress towards uh, going for the Pisgah Enduro. I mean, he's one of those dudes that I joke with him all the time about how he has, like, faster downhill Strava times than so many other people. And he's like, well, I was just in race mode then. I'm like, yeah, because that's what you do when you're racing, and you do Pisgah Enduro, and you'll be fine. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing how... Nick lays it down on those kids. Nick, you're never not in race mode, dude. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. What's the forecast looking like coming up this week? Well, it's, you know, that time of the year where 
evening and afternoon storms are pretty prominent. We've had that over the past week for sure. Depending on where you're at, you're either getting stormed on or you're not getting stormed on. But there's a chance that you're going to get stormed on. But Friday looks really good. Uh, Saturday is calm for some overnight showers. And then pretty much like the rest of the 10-day forecast from Sunday to Friday looks really good. Highs in the upper 70s, lows in the middle of 50s. That's a good looking bike riding weather right there. You're right about the weather. I mean, yesterday we had to change our plans in the last minute because it was raining probably 10 miles away from where we were going. Yeah, absolutely. We stayed dry and had excellent weather. Oh, perfect breeze, like dry sunshine the whole time. But we saw those dark clouds way out in the distance. Yep, so just pay attention to the sky and know what you're going to be getting into because it could happen at any time. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, that is a wrap on this week's episode. And as always, you can find us on social media. Just search Pisgah Podcast. And we've always got the web store going with shirts. Uh, We're out of some water bottles right now, but we do got koozies. And you can check all that out at PisgahPodcast.BigCartel.com. If you are as ready as we are for us to get the Pisgah Podcast back in the regular rotation, then click subscribe. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're getting old episodes uploaded. And buy some Pisgah Podcast merch to support the show. Alrighty, Drew. Uh, let's get some local riding in while the weather's good. And then hopefully we'll get some great weather up in New Jersey this week. Yeah, I think uh, as long as things stay calm out, that's the thing.